Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. If you're young, say 40 or under, retirement's likely more of a hazy concept than something to actually plan for. For now, no big deal, right? There are infinite possibilities that could change the outcome. You could get a big raise, you could win the lottery, get an inheritance. Heck, maybe you can even die before you before you get to be that old, so who cares? But take it from a guy in his mid-60s. The years are going to rush by, and with every passing year, your options are going to narrow. In the blink of an eye, you'll be entering the final chapters of your life, and the quality of those chapters is going to depend on how much you've saved and how you've managed it. In short, if your goal is to retire rich and whose isn't, there is a proven path and specific steps you can take along the way, starting now at whatever age you are. That path and those steps, what we're talking about in this week's Money Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. I'm here with my co-host, Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hello, Stacy. And our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. I want a guarantee. And, <laughs> and we have a special guest with us again this week, my good friend, Joe Salcihai. He's of the legendary podcast, Stacking Benjamins. He is my, he's like a god, and, uh, and, I'm, his, <laughs> and I'm his mentor. No, wait. Is that right? I'm his mentee, I should say. <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're my mentor, Stacy. Welcome Stacey. to the show, Joe. Good to have you. <laughs> thanks for thanks and for Joe, having me. Joe, and it sounds like it, it. It sounds like if Aaron wants a guarantee, you could just sell him an annuity, Stacy. Yeah, right? There it is. So, <sighs> you know, we should talk about annuities when, before this show's over, because I think if, as interest rates are rising, annuities might start looking better. But I'm, I'm way off topic. Oh, by the way, guys, before we start this podcast, I've got to give my disclaimer. Should we discuss specific investments in this show? Do not take them as recommendations because they are not. Before you invest in anything, you've got to do your own research and make your own decisions. Uh, and so now, Joe, you could just spray whatever stupid investment ideas you have out there. And I'm, I'm <laughs> I got loads of it. <laughs> so anyway, now, oh, I forgot to mention, this is important. Joe just wrote a book and it is called Stacked. And it's a very good book and it's very humorous and it's very easy to read. And it's chock full of information that you need, especially on this topic that we're going to have today. So, Joe, I would really like for you to tell me, I'm 66, it's almost too late, <laughs> but tell me what I could do to retire rich. Well, man, I don't know. I don't know about retire rich, but for a lot of people, it's retire at all, right? I mean, you look at the numbers of saving in America, and there's this report that I read just recently by a group called Nonfiction, where they talk about uh, over 150 million people report that they cry about their money, that they've cried about that. 150 million people in, in, in America have cried. And what's funny is you think that that number is, is people that are living paycheck to paycheck, and that's not true. It's actually people all over the spectrum. In fact, almost half of people making over $250,000 a year say they cry about money. Now, I know they're not crying about the hot stuff and the hot topic, which is what people always want to focus on, right? I mean, they're not crying about central bank digital currency maybe coming on the scene <laughs> or, or the fact that the, the backdoor Roth IRA might go bye-bye. They're, they're not crying about that. I think they're crying because it just seems like we're overwhelmed. So I think the key, Stacy, is to forget about the retire rich and get back to the basics because where I see people messing it up are we don't do those very simple basic things. You know, we know we know what we should do. We just don't do it. You know, as a financial advisor, I'm going to repeat something my dad used to say to me. You want to cry? I'll give you something to cry about. He <laughs> <laughs> was pretty unfriendly sometimes. Want to cry about your money? <laughs> that was really a really depressing a, statistic, by the way. <laughs> I didn't really like that. It's a lot of empathy there from dad, too. 150 million people <laughs> cry over money? 
Yeah, how about that? Oh, there were all kinds of statistics. Statistics about the number of people that report that they've, you know, that at some point in their life they stole. I believe that number was close to to fifteen percent of people say that they have stolen just because they didn't have any money. Uh, uh, it was over five percent, maybe seven percent report that they've eaten food out of a dumpster because of the fact that th- th- this report, the Secret Lives of Americans, is called Secret Financial Life of Americans. I think is a it's a wild report. And actually, it's funny, Stacey. It's the reason I wrote a funny book about money is because I think the way to cry less about it is to kind of get rid of some of this stigma, right? Get rid of some of this heaviness. I, I, I'm, feeling, I'm um, feeling suicidal right now. And actually, it's funny because Joe's saying all these depressing facts, but he actually is a very funny guy. And so and his book is very funny, too. <laughs> But, but, if, but, but, but it's not without reason, yeah. I guess, I, I guess is the point. So yeah, let's focus on the basics, Stacey. I think that's Go where we start. Give me one. We, we can all toss in yeah, basics. I, Go ahead, though. You start, Joe. Well, well, well I'll tell you the, the, the biggest, most basic thing, and this is actually where I start my book, is in timelining your goals. And, you know, every single stinking, you, Stacey, you've been at this much longer than I've been in, in, in this business, and I've been in it a long time, and every book says, write down your goals, yep. right? And I think directionally, that's that's good. That makes sense. If, if you start with the end in mind, that's great. But as people, we are visual. And I think that if we visualize our goals and we put ourselves maybe as stick figures on one end, in fact, in in, in the book we've got uh, you know me as a stick figure with a martini. I was just going to mention that, like a bag a bag dripping money on the other, and then you draw this timeline out and you say, when do I want this? When do I want that? When do I want that? And then we ask, what do each of those cost? Because when we start there, Joe, I just put you on my wonder wall. <laughs> now you should see the stick figures they're really funny <laughs> then we draw a line back to today and we answer a lot of those questions we wonder about we're like well how much should i save well where do you want to go and then and then how do these goals intersect with each other like you, you know for people for people maybe younger than you and i stacy i when i was a financial planner i'd work with people like you know in their 30s and 40s they'd say hey i want to you know retire at 60 and i've got two kids i want to put through college and they never realize that their second kid is going to be a sophomore in college in the year that they said they were going to retire. And it doesn't make it that they can't do it, but certainly that that's for some great conversations, um, which brings up something else I don't think you should do. I don't think you should use a lot of these rules of thumb. Not that they don't work. Like the 4% rule is fine. You know, they're fighting over it at Morningstar right now and other places. 4% rule is fine, though. Rule of 72 is great. 25X rule for people that know that one. Like these are, these are okay, but you get rid of all of these great conversations you need to have about what are my values and how do my goals line up against each other. And I think that's far better. I, I agree with you. Than and just by the way, I, I want to make sure, Joe, that everybody understands what you're trying to describe here. Because it, it, it took me a minute to, and I was reading the book, you know, so, but what, what Joe's talking about, instead of just listing your goals out, putting them on a timeline, and, and like, and he literally does draw little stick figures, you know, of him with a martini, that's retirement, I guess, whatever. My point is, if you say it, so now you're saying, I'm going to be retired by this day, uh, and I'm going to have my kids in college on this day, and I'm going to buy a house on this day. So you're looking at it uh, on, a, on a timeline versus just putting bullet points on a piece of paper. Is that accurate, Joe? Absolutely. And it's because, Stacy, the way that our brain works, three types of people in the world, there are visuals, audios, and kinesthetic people. 
can usually tell, by the way, who's who, because visuals, even if they listen to this podcast, they go, oh, oh, this all looks good to me. Right. They use look in their language. Uh Audio people. Man, that sounds great. Kinesthetic feels good to me. You know, uh, most people, though, are visuals and for audios and kinesthetics, which are significantly less. Those people are so used to living in a visual world that study after study shows that if you actually put it out on a timeline and you visualize it, your brain starts doing all kinds of wonderful stuff that it will not do if you just make a checklist. You won't do half the brain work if you make a checklist that you'll do if you visualize it. If you do that, will you eventually get telekinesis? (laughs) yes that's the next (laughs) next logical step step. i just realized why i have an affinity for pornography now (laughs) (laughs) i must be a visual person hold on wait (laughs) (laughs) that's right joe comes to our show folks with his own sound effects (laughs) so he he can control how you perceive him (laughs) okay so anyway that's an, an awesome place to start uh does it anybody have anything else i could throw in there fundamental thing you can do to make sure that you retire Rich, or you, or did you meet your goals? I should say, even if they're not retirement. I mean, I think you, Joe. Miranda? Yeah, I was gonna say. I think Joe kind of like really hit it there, where where he said. I mean, something that I've heard Joe say a gajillion times is begin with the end in mind, and it's not just about like um, timelining it out. It's like really sitting down and thinking, like, okay, what do I need to make like you know, what, what's that end number that I need? And now how do we work backward and make it happen? How do we make that timeline starting from, from where we're at? Right. So, and whether that's like, okay, what kind of lifestyle do I expect to have? What kinds of things do I want to accomplish by that point? What do I need to make this happen? And then timelining backward from that, I think is, is going to, is, is a huge thing. And, and it's something that, like I said, I mean, I've heard Joe say a gajillion times and, and I think it's really good advice to get started because you know, it's nice to be like, well, I'm going to put $500 a month away, but, but for what, (laughs) like, what is the end goal here? How does this align with your values? How does this help you get the life you want? And do you, you know, you know, what are we doing here? So I I really like that idea of figuring that out. I think that goal is a fun word. And like Joel, he probably doesn't like it. I hate it. I hate that word goal, but I mm. think what you're maybe you're alluding to is that people probably before this whole goal element is that they have uh, personality traits about them, like they're either overspenders. Um, maybe they uh, they know they spend you know a thousand bucks a year on cigarettes and they would really like to quit just to save that thousand bucks. So basically, what you're trying to say is go. The reason why you're doing these goals is to retrain your brain and to to make yourself think in a way that you've never thought of before. Because if you don't recondition the way you do things, like if you're like constantly putting money on a credit card and you need to stop because you're just climbing the debt ladder, the only way to get out of that is to retrain your mind saying, you know, I got to be a saver. I can't be a spender. You know, actually, let me tell you, if you guys ever heard this expression, be careful of how you picture yourself because ultimately that's exactly who you'll become. Mm-hmm. And you haven't heard that because I just made it up, but it's but it's definitely true. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, at least it's been it true in my true. life. You know, I, I picture myself as as a fairly wealthy guy, not super wealthy, fairly wealthy. And I and at one time in my life, and I won't go into a big review of it, but I lost everything, lost my job, had to move, start over, blah blah blah. And I I'll be damned. I, and I was that guy, fairly wealthy, and I'll be damned if I didn't if I'm not that guy right now. In other words. You, however you picture yourself, you picture yourself a loser, you will become a loser. If you picture yourself a millionaire, I'm not saying overnight, but if you picture yourself that, then you will become one. 
I, I really believe that. And I don't mean to oversimplify. Well, and I, no, and I think, Stacey, what you're what you're hitting on and what Aaron's hitting on is exactly the case. I mean, you know, let's just talk about how I messed up my money right in college. I was at the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina. Wow. I went and to University. immediately. Oh, did yeah. you really? Arch rival. Wow. That's cool. So we, we, um, we, the first week of school, I can't have a job. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina in a military college. Of course, I walk into the student union, Mark Clark Hall, and there's this line going out the door and I'm like, what's this for? And they're like, oh, you know, they didn't say this, but they're like, we're all in line to get into debt. But I don't remember if they were giving away Frisbees or, or beach towels or whatever it is, but I got in the line and it was American Express. And sure enough, two weeks later, guess what happened? I get an American Express card. I have no income. I have no ability to have a job because I'm in a military school and I get this credit card. So I go on out to the, I go on out to uh, uh, North Charleston Mall with a bunch of friends the first time that we get leave. And we went to this high end place, guys. I don't know if you've heard of this place. Very exclusive. <laughs> it's called Ruby Tuesday. <laughs> Are you familiar with Beard of Ruby Tuesday? Yeah, it's a, they have a salad bar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's top notch yes. right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so there's, there's eight of us. The bill comes at the end. And of course, guess what Joe does? Take out that little green card. Cause I'm a baller. I got it. Yeah. To give, give them the card. I pay for it. I walk down to the other end of the mall and Nordstrom and I should have brought this sweater. I'm wearing my Mr. Rogers thing today, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I had this, there was this badass purple sweater that was Duran Duran. <laughs> awesome. It was so great and it was hugely expensive. So I buy this sweater I'm in Charleston. I have to wear a uniform. I have no business buying a sweater, <laughs> but I could see the sweater. And this is the point that Aaron brought up. I could see the sweater when we start visualizing these things that we want. I think you're right, Stacy. You manifest who you are, right? You manifest yourself as a, as a wealthy guy. This is who I am. This is what I see. I see myself walking around singing, you know, her name is Rio <laughs> or, or hungry like the wolf while, while I'm wearing this and sweater. And hair, I'm sure. And, I'm sure uh, there was hair involved at one point. <laughs> but I, at one time I did have hair. Hey, easy there, Miranda. Wait a minute. But yeah, so a month later, you know, the bill comes, which is weird because I never thought of that. I had no idea there was going to be a bill involved with this whole process. And I did what any sane person would do. It. I, you know, call, no, I called my mom. I told her, mom, we I said, mom, we got a problem. And she goes, no, I think you have a problem. And next, the next summer, I spent the entire summer uh, working uh, to pay off the collection yeah. agency after my credit was you know, completely Joe, ruined been, as a freshman I've in college. I've been on the board of Consumer Credit Counseling Service, uh, two different ones over the years. Uh, in any way... And so many people have come up to me. I've been doing this 40 years, and people have come up to me and said, like, you know, oh, God, this is a really embarrassing story. Let me tell you what happened. And they proceed to tell me a story just like you just told. And I'm like, just you know like what? You. This is not unusual. I mean, this, no, this is not. I mean, I common. just did it two years this ago. This is everyone. This is everyone. <laughs> I mean, I just did it two years ago. We did a podcast <laughs> yeah. about it. I mean, yeah, it's like people are so embarrassed. Like they're the only. It's the only. They're the only. It's only, I'm the only <clears throat> one this has ever happened to. No, it's happened to virtually every mother out there. Everybody has done this, and so you know, don't be embarrassed about it. But that's a good transition too, because I was going to say one of the things I would suggest is debt, staying away from it. You know, it, it, people have asked, yeah. and I don't know. I, I didn't get this far in your book, Joe, but. Uh, I've always said this is a really remarkably simple situation. You can either have your have the bank pay you, or you can pay the bank. And, and whenever you pay somebody for the use of their money, that makes them richer and you poorer. 
that's not difficult to understand, unless the money you're borrowing is used to buy an asset that's increasing by more than the interest you're paying, in which case debt is good for you. But otherwise, debt sucks. It's going to hold you back. It's going to point you in the wrong direction. It's going to make you poorer. And so I have not paid interest. Well, I just paid off my mortgage, but I have not paid interest other than my mortgage for 30 years or more. And so that, I think that's important. Where does that where does that come in your in your uh, stream of things that you need to do to be get rich to retire rich, Joe? Well, here's what's interesting about that one, Stacy, is that we talk a lot about behavior. In fact, at, at the end of every chapter, we talk to uh, uh, people that are that 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 I interviewed about these topics, and and Dan Ariely appears in the book. My oh, interview I love with him. him, one of the top. He's, he's fantastic. But this idea, this uh, th even, even the interest rate idea that you talk about, what's interesting is people who are multimillionaires, by and large, don't use leverage at all. Like they, th th they pay off their debt. Like the, the more wealthy people are, the more they pay off their debt. Um, which, which, which seems strange because you think you'd have this arbitrage between paying off your debt and, and, uh, and making money. And yeah, yeah, you don't. Yeah, you know, actually, I want to get into some more real specific things. I need to take a really quick break, but I want to talk to you next, Joe, about investing, because I, obviously this is integral to retiring rich. But we'll be right back, and we're going to talk about investing. Okay, we're back. So what, what about investing? I, I, now, do me a favor and don't say, yeah, you put as much as you can every month in your 401k into a into a S&P 500 oh. index fund. Obviously, this is good, but it's common advice. Is, is, that, is that what you suggest in your book to do? Use, use tax strategies whenever possible. Like a lot of times people will have a good investment, but they don't have it inside a tax shelter when they could. And I feel like the 401k, right? To your point, 401k, obviously, not only a great tax strategy, but back to Dan Ariely, who we're talking about behavioral finance, makes it easier to save there. And I see people that don't save into their 401k because they don't like their company or they or they they think that the fees are too high. Man, you got to even even with the, the math problem that is high fees in a 401k at work. Generally speaking, it's so much easier to save there versus outside places that, that that I still really like, at the very least, getting the match on the 401k. But often, especially if you've got that Roth option, guys, I think the Roth option is a is a fantastic you idea. No, I never did that. And by the way, totally agree with everything you just said. Uh, having a forced savings, uh, having money come out of your paycheck before you see it is obviously a good idea. And especially when it's going into a tax advantage account. And especially, especially when you're getting a match. I mean, it's free money. Which is very rare. Yeah. Trust me. Uh, so you know all those things totally make sense. But you know what? I'll tell you something. All through my life, I was like, I need. I want to lower my taxes, and so I'm always putting money into an IRA, a 401k, a 403b. Not a four. I don't never had a 403b, but you know what I'm saying. As much as I can into retirement plans to get a write-off, and because, I, you know, Roth wasn't around when I was younger, but you know, but but sure. I don't care because I need a write-off now. I could be dead later, you know. <laughs> you know, that's the first thing my tax professor take the first, bird in the hand. first things he said when I was in my took my first tax class in college was uh, remember in the long run we're all dead, and so, <laughs> and so I never did a Roth. And none now, of us gets out. None of us gets now out here alive. I am, sixty-six yeah. years old, no Roth at all. So every dime I have in retirement, I'm going to have to pay tax on. All the all the capital gains I made over the years, and I made tons of them. You can imagine over forty years. Now it's all going to become ordinary income. Because I didn't, you know, because yeah. I was putting off, to, you know, I just needed to write off now. 
And so I would advise Roth too. Our friend, our friend uh, Ed Slot, Stacy says that an, a, an IRA, a traditional IRA like you have, or one where you get the write-off today, is really a joint account. It's a joint, it's a joint account with your uncle in Washington, yeah. who's not even your real uncle, right? I mean, let's be real. So pay a lot less tax and flip it so that it's no longer a joint account with the government if you have the ability to do yeah, that. Yeah, and you, you still, I mean, I don't know what I would do today. Probably if I had to start over, I'd probably definitely have some Roth, but I probably still want to write off too so i might do half and half but i, I would yeah. like to have the ability because you know sure. uh, miranda's always talking about having buckets you know uh so you know there was yeah. you, you know you don't have to worry when you retire about having all your money in the market you put a whole bunch of money in cash so if the market goes down you don't have to spend you don't have to tap your stocks but and what a great bucket a roth would be you know that you could we talk about this uh, stacy as a tax triangle you've got imagine a triangle and the outside is pre-retirement and inside is in retirement and you have to pass through one of those three corners on one corner you got money that's pre-tax and when you pull it out in retirement you have to pay tax that's the type you're talking about like a 401k or a traditional ira then on another corner you've got money that you pay tax on today but you will never pay tax on again that'll be like the roth ira and then the third bucket you pay you use after-tax dollars to invest, and then you're going to have some friction along the way, right? You're going to pay either capital gains taxes, or you're going to pay taxes on the dividends, on the earnings. But the cool thing about this one, you have flexibility with that money. You don't have to worry about, okay, what rule am I breaking with this money? I can just use it whenever I want. Yeah. So I don't want to see one of those as a real fat cat, to your point. I love seeing those three as you know, maybe one bigger than the others, but, but, but make sure you got money in all three of those, because to, to your point too, well, your, your accountant's point, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know where tax rates are going to be. So why not be flexible? I feel like a lot of people, especially money nerds solve for optimization way too much and they don't solve for flexibility enough. I think they should be solving for flexibility. Well said. more. That's totally me. Cause I'm a CPA, right? So, you know, my goal in life is to minimize my tax bill. Uh, but I wasn't thinking yeah. of flexibility. But like I said, and, and again, for those, uh, those of you out there listening, when you're 40, you've got all the time in the world. You think, well, who cares? I have to get a write-off now. You know, do whatever <laughs> you can. But, you know, one day you're going to be 66, and it's going to be sooner than you think. <laughs> I'm telling you. It, it's like the blink totally of an eye. Is. And now here I am with no, no no tax-free <laughs> money to tap. Fortunately, I do have a little 401K, which I call my 42-year-old wife. <laughs> so I could tap, I could tap her. No pun intended. Oh, oh, oh. hold on. <laughs> How about wow, that? One? Wow, yeah. wow, wow, I, wow. I have a feeling I'm going to be. I'm going to. Someone's going to hashtag me too this episode. No. Okay, so okay, we've talked about putting money aside. We've talked about imagining where we're going to be in the future and, and developing a plan to get there and picturing yeah. ourselves. Now, what are we? What next, Joe or anyone? Yeah, I got yeah, I got one more for 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 all of you, which is to surround yourself with smart people. I think Stacy, I look at financial advisors much different than a lot of people in our community look at advisors. I think I think that that asking a random person on the internet how to manage my money in a Facebook group is 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 ridiculous. This person doesn't know me. They don't know anything about me. I mean, 
Earl in Peoria is telling me exactly what I should do with my money and gets mad if I don't do it. it but Earl can't zip up his pants and spends all day online, yeah. but he knows everything about everything. I want to be, and, 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 and here's how I think differently about this. I think a lot of people think having a financial advisor means you abdicate, meaning I'm going to hand it off. I'm going to give it to them and I walk away and do other stuff and I don't got to know anything. No, 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 no. I think you got to think about yourself like, but I'm going to use General Motors because I'm from Detroit. I think, I think you got to look at yourself like Mary Barra, who runs that company. If she's the CEO, you're the CEO of your financial situation. Mary Barra doesn't stop going to meetings about cars. She knows everything going on in the car business. She knows all the pieces of a car, but she's surrounded by these really smart people who run different things for her. And I think I, I overpay for coaching and, but man, I, I fly faster. I go faster. And I'm, I'm, I love being the dumbest person in the room. I think that's really good advice. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think it necessarily is, you know, people get into fees and all that. No, I just need to be surrounded by smart people who got my back. So I don't even to, to some degree, I don't even care that it is a CFP. If I know smart people, I want to take them to lunch and find out how they did it. And I want to share a little bit of my situation with them so that they, they're, they're with me, but it's a team approach. It's not, it's not abdicating. And I love it when people fire their financial advisors that they had where they abdicated because it's the first step, I think, to taking back control, fire your advice. If, if, if you don't know anything that's going on with your money, fire that advisor take control again yourself, and then hire people who can teach you to be better. And I think that's a way better idea to have advisors than the way a lot of people do I don't do disagree now. with that at all. I think you're absolutely right. And, and you know, what I've said in books that I've written is, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's nobody on the planet who cares more about your savings than you do. And believe me, that, that uh, investment counselor or that financial advisor, they may love you and they may care about your money, but they don't care about it as much as you do. And ultimately, when yeah. that money's lost, they didn't lose anything. You did. So you've got to take responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, by the way, while we're on the subject of being around smart people, one of the things I've done my whole life, I've, I've always I've been an entrepreneur off and on, you know, for, well, 30 years, more than. Uh, and one of the things I, wa I always wanted to own rental property. I started, started studying this when I was in college. I bought my first house for $28,000. Uh, God, don't I sound old now? Anyway, <laughs> uh, but you know what I used to do? I had a landlord because I was renting a place. And he owned 50 houses. And I followed him around. And, and I've given this advice, too, in books I've written. It, find something that you're interested in and then find somebody who's really good at it and follow them around until either you learn what they know or they get a restraining order. Uh, because <laughs> that's how you get ahead. Great advice. Yeah, I mean, like you just said, Great I don't advice. care if someone's a CFP or not. If, they, if they've made a million dollars in the stock market, I want, to, I want to buy them a drink. You know? Yeah. And by the way, I want to mention one more thing, and then I'll be I'll be done, and you can take over. But <laughs> when it comes to investing, before a few years ago, Joe, I always I was always this guy who said, and I've written this a lot in books: take your age from a hundred, uh, that's the percentage you put in stocks, you know, and then take the rest and divide it equally between money market funds and and an intermediate bond fund. I don't believe that. I mean, I believe the fundamentals of putting money in an S and P five hundred index fund. But I also think it's really important to take some of your money and invest it into a company or two. Now, this may be controversial. What do you think of that? So there is, uh, 
I'm going to start off with, with how my book is organized. I start off with the foundational stuff. It's stacking your first Benjamin, get your credit in order, figure out your budget, uh, 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 get, get money in a savings account, that type of thing. Then we go into stacking Benjamins about the one-on-one of investing, the protecting your Benjamins. But there's a topic, Stacy, that's all about this right at the end, which is specifically what you're talking about. And it's, it's how to get rich quicker. And the way to get rich quicker is strategic under diversification. And that CFP we were talking about will never tell you to do this for two reasons. Number one, it is riskier. You, you're doing something technically called increasing the standard deviation in your portfolio. And CFPs won't do that. Because second, they know if it goes wrong, you will fire them, right? You will fire them. So they're for more diversification, which, by the way, isn't, no, wrong. It isn't wrong. That is that, that is a fine approach. But if you want to get rich quicker... Do what you're talking about. Invest in a few things that are strategically under diversified that you strongly believe in. Now, the bad news is it can also go south faster. But I think I think you also learn from that because you're passionate about it. So, um, you know, we talk about this a lot with crypto, right? Pick a number in your portfolio that you can afford to lose. But I would definitely have part of your money strategically under diversified in a few things like you're talking Thank about. You. I think that's a powerful yeah, thing. Yeah, I do. never yeah. thought that until recently. But I, these guys have heard me say this so many times they probably want to slap me. But I, I put fifteen hundred bucks, seventeen hundred bucks into Apple in two thousand one. And I've sold two thirds of it, and what I have left just crossed eight hundred thousand dollars. And I'm and I'm not suggesting I'm smart. I was lucky. Even a blind squirrel finds the occasional acorn. But my point is, I just I saw people carrying this thing around, the iPod, and and my my girlfriend wanted one, who's now my wife. And you know, I you know, I, I just thought I'm, these are way too expensive for me. I ain't paying five hundred dollars for some hard drive. But I but I bought the stock. And my point being, again, not that I'm smart. My point is, if you see something do something, you know, with a little bit of your money, not with all of it and make sure, you know, yeah. and don't just go off, you know, half cocked, read the stuff, understand what's yeah. going on. But this, this kind of thing can make you rich. And especially in those areas, Stacy, that's when I like talking to other entrepreneurs. What do you think about this company? What do you, because they, you know, people can get snowed if you don't know anything about a company into thinking it's a great idea. I'm looking at you, restaurant <laughs> industry, right? Everybody who knows nothing about odds goes and opens up a restaurant. Do you know that I owned a restaurant? Man, Joe? that's a that is a hard business, I, isn't I, it? I, my first wife was my biggest financial mistake, and my second biggest was opening a restaurant. Lost my ass. <laughs> I mean, just. It is horrible. such a tough horrible. business. And, and work 12 yeah. hours a day doing it. I mean, it's just dumbass yeah. thing to do. You bought a job. You bought a yeah. job. But anyway, you know, but, but reaching out, you know, I mean, I, like I've been self-employed basically since 1981. And, you know, and that's the way I am. You know, I, I need to know that I might get rich. And so I was and when I wasn't when I was working as an accountant, when I first got out of college, I was looking. I was telling you, I was buying rental property. I was looking for something to do. And if you have that entrepreneurial spirit. Be aware that you're, it's going to take you years to succeed. I've, I've been successful at two businesses, failed miserably at the restaurant business, but I've been successful at two businesses, uh, actually three. I was a stockbroker, and then I was uh, did uh, TV news, and now I own a website. But anyway, none of them did I do in less than five years. I, 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 wasn't, I was, yeah. wasn't even touching, making money at all, breaking even on the business I'm in now for three years. I mean, it just it's funny you say that because the number of times, you know, you, you we interview lots of people, all of us, you, Miranda, me, and uh, w you hear some things that are people's one offs that are their, you know, their idea. And sometimes they're great. Sometimes they stink. But you hear the same thing over and over. And I think it's a truth. And that five year number, like people don't say seven years or 
two years. Everybody really? says five. Like that, it's a five-year moat. Yeah, and I and I wonder if I was thinking that today because I heard Aisha Tyler, the comedian, say this on Tim Ferriss's podcast this morning. Same thing, five years, and I'm wondering. If this is the same thing as uh, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours, like I'm wondering how close that 10,000 hour number is to five years, because I bet it's, I bet it's going to be in that that book. I mean, that's really been my experience. It takes me five years. Yeah. Yeah. But most people, they don't have the patience. And yet, and you know, and it's difficult too, because sometimes you're right to quit something right away. I wish I hadn't stuck with the restaurant business as long as I did. You know, I had as much fun as I could afford, and then I had to quit. But, you know, but, but some, but sometimes perseverance, just showing up. Uh, is a good thing to do if you're an entrepreneur. If you've got the right idea, if you believe in what you're doing, don't quit because it's hard. Because you know, there's so many things. Everybody sees, oh, well, I should make a a, um, a video on YouTube. But, you know, people, It looks like people are getting rich overnight, but they're actually not. I mean, they may, but it's very rare. Almost all success, people grind it, grinding it out. That's what you're doing. Yeah. So we're, we're getting kind of far afield from what we were going to do, I guess. But. <laughs> Well, I think I think this is all about though having the getting back to strategic under diversification, but sticking with it, but sticking with it with people having your back that won't lie to you if it's worth sticking with That's or not. Great right? way of putting it. Now, what what else could I'm pretty brilliant, Stacy. Make sure that people retire rich. <laughs> oh, how about uh, marrying somebody with money? <laughs> I mean, well, there, there it is. You know, my wife did it. <laughs> it worked out for her. <laughs> that is not true. My wife makes good money herself. Oh, but my anyway, gosh. But, uh, you know, oh, here's something else I wanted to mention in this podcast. I do a net worth review every month. I do not do uh, what's it called a spending plan or a budget. But I, what I do every yeah. month, though, is I have a spreadsheet and I update it. I mean, on the 31st of every month, I get on my uh, – yeah, I open up all my accounts and I see exactly how much I'm worth. And I look at if I'm worth more than I was last month, awesome. If I'm worth less, I want to know why. And I've done that every single month without fail for 20 years. So I would advise people to do that too. Do you do something like that, Joe? I think at the beginning, there's something that's even more important to build that, which is do two things. Have a budget so you know where your money goes. And number two, track your, track your expenses. Like I know so many people that go, no, man, I'm good. I got mint. How long has it been since you opened Mint? Oh, let's not talk about that. But I have it on my phone and it tracks everything. So I'm good. No, no you're, you're really not. Good. You actually have to look at this stuff. Yes. Yeah, you drew a distinction but, but, in your book but, but, between spending plan and budget. Yeah. And, and, and it's clear, you know, that uh, the, the key to success is widening the gap between what's coming in the door and what's going out. And there's two ways to do that. Make more money or control expenses. And what's funny is... I've known people that will make $40,000 and they can save money hand over fist. And when I was a financial planner, I worked with people making $300,000 who couldn't save a nickel. And so it's as much about expenses and controlling this, but you can make more money. And I think that's great. And, And I have a whole chapter about negotiating for more and ways to make more. But before you do that, you got to lock down that, that those expenses, at least know where your money's going. And by the way, if you're doing it with somebody, I think that uh, the conversations you have with them are far more important than what app you use. You know, if you have Mint and you never open it, it's bad. If you sit down at at dinner once a week and you're going to have a 20-minute budget talk with whoever you're budgeting with or you're going to open it once a week, 
I think that's that's far better than than whatever the app is. Okay, truth time, Joe. You're 52. Is that what you told me? 53, 53. Yeah. Do you keep a budget? You know, I do. And what's funny is, is that it gets good and it gets bad. I'll tell you, my budget was pretty loose this year until about three weeks ago. The, the price of groceries, dude, is killing me. I spent $170 at the grocery store and I felt like I bought nothing, just absolutely nothing. Uh, uh, I have used a, a bunch of different things. The thing I'm obsessed with now, and I'll apologize because I asked them to be a sponsor of my show. So this is not, this is not a sponsored message. I asked them to be a sponsor because I love them. I use cube money now. Cube I just think money. it's fun. I don't yeah, know what this is. Yeah. It's like, it's like envelopes for the 21st century. So, you know, envelope, you can't walk around with envelopes of cash and there's so many online transactions. So it's a bank account, but you separate that bank account into little cubes. And before you spend money, it's got to come out of a cube. So I've got my grocery cube. I've got my video game cube. I've got, you know, all these, my travel cube. If there's not enough money in that specific cube, then I don't spend money in that area. Uh, and, and, and this is fun. I don't know. I'm having a really good Aaron, time with it. Aaron, as soon as, as, soon yeah. as Joe hangs up, we're going to approach Cube and ask him to sponsor our podcast. <laughs> Here they come, Ryan. Ryan's a cool guy. So yeah. anyway, we're, we're almost out of time. And there's nothing I like better than the sound of my own voice, as you could probably tell, Joe. But uh, is there anything else that you or, or any of you guys want to add to this? If you want to retire rich, what's, what do you think is the single most important thing you can do? Do you, what would you say, Miranda? What, what, if, what if you're married to a spender? <laughs> oh, no. Divorce? No, I'm not going to say it because your wife is a good friend of mine. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think the bottom line is like just figuring out what your values are, figuring out what you want it to look like, and then making sure that as you move forward and make your plans, that what you're doing is in line with those values and that you're going to, you know, and that you're going to make it a priority. So if, if what you want is a certain lifestyle in your retirement, you need to make that a priority and, and make sure your values align with that and that you're spending and you're saving align with those values. Awesome. What, one, one single thing, Joe, that you could add, or have you, have you given us your important nuggets? Oh, I just think, I just think, Stacy, it's much more about behavior than anything else. Uh, I see people that know exactly what to do. They just don't do it. Isn't that the truth? You know, have you ever heard this expression? <laughs> you can either look rich or be rich, but you probably won't live long enough to accomplish both. <laughs> right. I made that up too. Did you just make that Not one up just now, now too? I wrote it, uh, but I did make it up, <laughs> but I put it in my first book, which was called Life or Debt, uh, which I wrote 20, 21, 22 years ago. I'm not as smart now as I was then. <laughs> I'm still good looking, though. Okay, now we have to close. Anything else? Anybody have anything else? Last thoughts? Well, I think a lot of the stuff can be scary for a lot of people. It's just money in general. Just talk about money, all the different terminology and everything. Um, I think it can make people feel stupid. But I think the biggest thing is keep asking questions until you get the answer that makes sense in your head. Like even, you know, reading a book like Stacked, stuff like that. Um, any book that Stacy puts or any anything, any resource online, just... Keep asking the question until you find something that, that makes it make sense to you. So that you is a great suggestion, Aaron, because the only the thing yeah. that kills fear in any in anything is information. The more you know, the less you fear. And uh, so, don't be afraid to educate yourself. Okay, great great ending. I'm afraid we are out of time, though, guys. But you know what? We're never out of topic. 
Just dig deeper. You're going to find links, and I mean tons of links in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is MirandaMarkwit.com, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T. And of course, you want to visit Joe at stackingbenjamins.com and listen to his awesome podcast. And I'm not just saying that because he's listening. It is awesome. And buy his book. It's called Stack. It's on Amazon or wherever books are sold. <laughs> so if you've got a question, a comment, or a topic you'd like to suggest, tell us about it. You can email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing. If you appreciate what we do, do something for us. Subscribe to this podcast. Takes you two seconds. Helps us out. So if you like us, don't just sit there. Show us. Subscribe and tell your friends too. I'm Stacy Johnson. And I'm Miranda Marquet. I'm counting my stacks of Benjamins. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Joe Salcida. <laughs> he just kills me. Okay, guys. We're <laughs> going to see you next time. Thanks for hanging out with us. <laughs> <laughs>